All right. So with the two major political parties having their conventions recently, what would Tabitha's first act of president be? I want to start with Matt on this one. It would be an executive order to have Brandon Sanderson write The Winds of Winter. <laughs> Lydia. <laughs> um, I think her first decree would be to erase Spider-Man from the face of everything and just completely erase his character from history. <laughs> um, I think that the Oxford comma would have to be, would become mandatory. But let's find out <laughs> from the person herself. President Tabitha Spear, what is your first act as president? Those are all really good options. Like, those are going on my short list. Like, I really like all of those. Um, but my first act would be to appoint Lin-Manuel Miranda as my vice president. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, he's got better ideas than me. And, you know, he's more popular than I am. And he could, you know, just kind of take over while I was just like, hi, I'm the president. I like the big red button. Like, that would just... <laughs> Yeah, we, we need yeah. to keep you far, far away from that big red button. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not, after the week I've had, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Pickett. All right, so we've got a ton of stuff to talk about this week. So much so that we've got we've got a couple of things that we're going to talk about, but to just to try to fit everything in, uh, we're doing a big old gut reaction, which like we didn't have a gut reaction last week, so I guess it kind of fits. So Make up for it. Exactly. So probably the biggest thing that happened over the past week was the DC fandom. Um, which I always, like, I, I hear that, and then I think it's, like, Thunderdome, but yeah. at the same time, like, I kind of, you guys remember that uh, Stephen King book that became a TV show, like, Under the Dome, Under the or Dome. something like that, yeah. Like, I kind of feel like that, too. But anyway, so there were a ton of trailers. We're not going to talk about all of them, but we are going to talk about some of them in Gut Reaction. I also just realized one of the trailers that I didn't have us watch was the Snyder Cut. Oops. Oh, oh. yeah. Oops. I realize that. Um, I have feelings about the Snyder Cut anyway. And to I mean, get off on a tangent, which, hey, that's what we do. <laughs> I was kind of apathetic on the Snyder Cut anyway because I'm not a huge fan of director's cuts, all this and that. But then, like, Zack Snyder even said that, like, the Robin that had died in this universe was Dick Grayson. And I'm like, I'm not about that life. Well, you did hear that the Snyder Cut is supposedly four hours long, right? Yeah, I'm also not about that life. <laughs> so, they so, so they took um, Justice League and turned it into the extended versions like Lord of the Rings? Basically. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And the Snyder Cut is supposed to be like also like pretty different from what we saw. But, you know. I mean, from the trailer, it looks a lot different. Like, there's not a whole lot in that. Snyder Cut trailer that I recall from the Justice League movie. Anyway, but yeah, but other trailers, we'll, we'll talk about those in a little bit. Um, didn't get a whole lot of information, but we did get a title for the Shazam sequel. Um, Shazam 2 is going to be called Fury of the Gods. Also, 
got a little bit of info on Black Adam. Uh, it is going to introduce the Justice Society of America, which this in- incarnation is going to have Hawkman, Cyclone, Adam Smasher, and Dr. Fate. Uh, Ezra Miller talked about the Flash and how it's going to introduce the multiverse to the DCEU, which we kind of already knew, but still. Also, Milestone Comics uh, is making a comeback with DC. Uh, Static is returning with a new DC digital comic in February 2021 and is also going to get an original graphic novel. Uh, And also there's talk of a movie in development. Also, comic team uh, Icon and Rocket is getting a new series as well uh dc's titans uh season three is going to see jason todd transform into red hood and become an antagonist to the team uh it's also it sounds like it's going to skip the whole jason todd dying thing which that's kind of important to his character but i digress Uh, (laughs) (laughs) also in titans uh we're going to see a commissioner barbara gordon uh also scarecrow and the team is going to move to gotham uh, Fandom had 22 million views, and I personally didn't get a chance to watch it because I had to work that day. But like from everything that I've heard and seen, like this has been kind of the most successful virtual con that we've had this year. It, it kind of looked like it, like from what I saw. But mm-hmm. I also feel like, in a lot of cases, as far as like virtual cons go, this one had the most, uh, um, like new release content yeah like stuff that people were waiting to see like trailers and such you know information um more so than some of these other cons which had you know were more panel based which a lot of cons are but um a lot more announcements to the dc fandom exactly like i don't remember any big announcements coming out of the virtual san diego comic con even no yeah um but yeah, so that that was really cool, and especially if this is going to be kind of our new normal, I, whether it's our new normal for now or just our new normal, I hope that more conventions kind of take this route, you know, and I and I hope that other people see like, hey, yeah, this can be done. We can still make things exciting and not just here's this Zoom meeting with a bunch of people. <laughs> cool so uh we got a couple of press releases over the week <clears throat> uh first vault has announced a quote dark heartfelt horror series uh called i walk with monsters it's by paul cornell uh sally can uh cantorino and uh deborah uh deborah kelly uh so this Thing called the important man uh, took JC's brother away from her. Now JC and David, who happens to transform into a terrifying beast, uh, hunt men who prey on the vulnerable. But they are also about to run into the important man once again. Uh, this book is going to come out in November. I don't know if you guys saw any of the preview pages for this, but it looks cool. Like I, I think I've said multiple times, like horror is not really my bag, but. I definitely check this issue out. It sounds really yeah, cool. I, it's, it's definitely something I'd want to check out because I yeah, am into the, the horror stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I keep talking <laughs> over you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, those preview pages look pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely got some gore for a horror series, but um, it, it just from those preview pages, it looks like the gore is 
like actually part of the story, not like gore for gore sake. Um, so definitely looks like it'd be worth checking out. Also, Z2 Comics has announced uh, a Holy Diver graphic novel. It's based on the album cover of heavy, heavy metal band Dio's debut album. Uh, Z2 Comics and writer Steve Niles are working with the estate of Ronnie James Dio to answer questions on the cover, like why is the priest being thrown into the ocean? And who is the actual villain in this album cover? It's going to be out in summer 2021. I don't know how I feel about this. It's an interesting concept to be like, hey, let's take this one piece of art, which, you know, like, it's not even on the album itself. It's the album cover. Let's take this piece of art and create a whole story around it. Like, I don't know. Again, kind of with the I Walk With Monsters, like, this doesn't really seem like my bag, but, like, I'm interested in the concept. Points for creativity, but at the same time, why? <laughs> I, I mean, I can answer one of your questions. Like, why is the priest being thrown into the water? He's the holy diver? I mean... Can you insert, can you insert a sound of crickets right there? Creaking <laughs> in the background while no one understands what Matt's talking about? I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. So... <laughs> Uh, so a couple of books to re- uh, to review. Uh, the first one is Doctor Tomorrow, uh, number five. It's the uh, conclusion to this miniseries. It's out now from Valiant. It's written by Alejandro uh, Arbana with art by Jim Toe. Uh, so Doctor Tomorrow, after spending years in an alternate universe, is back to fight himself. I'll tell you what, guys. Like I actually. I first heard about this book a few weeks before the first issue came out and I couldn't find, I couldn't find issues one or two anywhere. And then I finally found three and was able to get the other two anyway. So like I've been catching up with this and when Valiant sent us number issue five, like I was super excited uh, because this story is so much fun. It deals with alternate timelines it deals with time travel uh, also but like it's just like it's one of those books where it's like it's really uplifting in a way too because like you've got this kid who becomes more than what he thinks he is and it's just like it's really just one of those books that's like I've read it I finished it and I'm like okay cool like I need more of this character you know, whether he becomes part of, you know, a, a team story or if he gets a new ongoing or whatever, uh, I I was a huge fan of it. So, um, also out from Oni Press on September 9th, it's This is a Flying Rat. It's written by Andrew uh, Kangalos and with art by Josh Shipley. Um, we've read other books in this series before. Um but yeah, so just when you think you're reading a book about pigeons, a flying rat comes along to shake things up. Um, I loved this. I'm not going to lie. I loved it so much. I've loved the other books in this series. It was fun to see, you know, like f- facts about pigeons and then pigeons are known as flying rats. So then you get this rat <laughs> on, you know, that's, kind of created like a rocket ship or not a rocket ship, but a uh, jetpack. Jet thank you. And tries to become friends with this pigeon. 
And it's just, it's, it's so much fun. It's so fun. Uh, Tabitha, what did you think about it? These are always super adorable. Like, is, ever since we got this as a taco, like, everything's just been so great. And the art's so cute, and they're informative in their own way. And they're, you know, they're just enough to make you kind of chuckle. I just, I really like these. Matt, what about you? I mean, I, for one, didn't know that pigeons could fly 6,000 feet in the air. Same! right? <laughs> Why would a pigeon need to fly 6,000 feet in the air is my question. Why, Why not? Exactly. I mean, but why though? What's it gonna do up there? Like pigeon things? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, th this was another fun life. one. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, this is another fun one. I actually um, read a good chunk of this to uh, the boys the other night, and they were both chuckling and laughing um, as we're getting to different parts. Especially the uh, all-time favorite line was about the colorful farting that the uh, flying <laughs> <laughs> the spray paint cans but you know boys and fart jokes just never get old so <laughs> but you're not wrong right i know uh it was fun i loved it just like all the rest of them though so uh the last book that we're going to talk about and actually i'm going to um shoot this over to tabitha and matt because i slacked i didn't unfortunately read as much of this as i wanted to um but it's the tea dragon tapestry this one's going to be out september 2nd from oni press uh by katie o'neill and tabitha i'm gonna let you take this whale um so this is the third book in the series and it took this book for me to realize what katie o'neill is doing the first one was spring the second one was summer this one has a fall theme so that means the final book is going to be a winter theme and it took me till this issue of this for me to figure that out, which makes me feel real dumb, but also I'm real excited because I want to know what these tea dragons do in winter. Um, since we got to read the first one of these, like I've kind of been obsessed. Like the art of these is just so adorable. And they always, they have like a really good message happening in the background, but not in like a pushy shovey kind of way, just in like a, this is the natural way that the story is going. And you guys have heard us talk about the tea dragon books before, and this kind of followed the same plot line the same you know whatever it's the same people it's the same tea dragons you're getting a little bit of the history mixed in with what's happening with the current characters uh had a uh new kind of adventure for one of the characters that she's gonna go on uh creating some uh blacksmith art with a well-known blacksmith the diversity in these books is great like i just love these like they're just they're so cute and fun. I want a tea dragon so bad. But now <laughs> I just want the final, like, book four because I want the winter edition. Like, I want that one so badly. Winter's my second favorite season. So I'm just, I'm so excited. I mean, to be fair, I didn't realize that there was the spring, summer, fall, winter theme thing going on. So um, I'm even a step behind you on that one. <laughs> no, these are just fun. They're light. Um, and... I don't know. I, this one I felt was not again, again, the must, the message isn't pushy. It's not like in your face, but the, the message of learning to be who you are and do what, do what you do. Like, you know, that, that you do you kind of thing um, was really prominent in this one. And I really, I really liked that particular message as this one went along. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, definitely looking forward to, the fourth one, more of these, and 
yeah, we should all see if we can own a tea dragon. Yeah, I will say I I read enough of this book to know that I want a tea dragon in my life. But I, <laughs> I don't know, like, I for sure want a tea dragon, but like, do coffee dragons exist? Because that might be more up my alley. That's more suitable to you. <laughs> As I'm drinking coffee at 7.47 p.m. <laughs> yeah, if you figure out a way to have a coffee dragon, you let me know. Because I'm going to need one of those too. Maybe we can go in on one. Can we share? Like, yeah, I would share a coffee dragon with you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> can we just like turn Arnie into a coffee dragon? So he like kind of lifted his head and looked over here like, what? Uh, but he's also not super helpful. And I feel like any coffee we got from him would not give us energy because he's the world's laziest dog. True. <laughs> Fair enough. As he Fair. <laughs> I mean, All if you right. want partial custody of Arnie, however, you are more than welcome. <laughs> we'll talk off air about that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. It is time for gut reaction. Oof. Gut reaction. And we're going to start, before we go into some trailers, uh, we're going to start with Tabitha. You've got some breaking uh, news desk action. Yeah, so I had already posted my stories for the week, and then we found out that Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to be in a movie, and I'm excited. It's actually going to have four of my favorite people in the entire world in it, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Blake Lively, Richard Gere, and Diane Keaton. Um, Production of the film is planned for spring, um, and it is called The Making Of, and it actually tells the story of a pair of married filmmakers, which are played by Richard Gere and Diane Keaton, who cast actors, Lin-Manuel Miranda and Blake Lively, to play the younger versions of themselves. And I'm ready. I'm ready for Lin to have a starring role in something, other than Hamilton, obviously. But I'm ready. I want this. (laughs) Are we doing gut reaction about this? Because this is like three thumbs up, and I only have two thumbs. Yes, yes. Okay, so three (laughs) thumbs up. Three thumbs up. Matt, what about you? Uh, I mean, I guess she took one of my thumbs. Um, <laughs> no, this, yeah, I do. I agree that it's definitely time um, to see Lin-Manuel Miranda in a starring role. And with the rest of that cast, um, that sounds like you really can't go wrong with this. So, yeah, thumbs up. Lydia? That sounds absolutely adorable. And I mixing that adorableness with the fact that Lin is getting the chance to do this when he's adorable himself Sounds perfect. I love it. Thumbs up. Yeah, I'm also going to go thumbs up with this. Um, and also, like, from that kind of description, it almost, it, it it sounds like we're seeing a different side of Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I know that he's been around for a long time, but he is still kind of a new name when it comes to Hollywood or whatever at large. So it's good to see that, hey, he's showing some kind of diversity. So I'm definitely pumped for that. So definitely thumbs up. The first trailer that I want to talk about, and Matt, uh, we're going to talk about it with uh, 20 years, uh, Enola Holmes. Um, so Netflix is doing a movie um, called Enola Holmes. She is the younger sister of Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes. Um, general plot is that she has grown up, lived with her mother, and she wakes up one day and mom is gone. Uh, Mama Sherlock, I guess. Um, so she has to recruit her two brothers and go off and find, um, 
Mama Sherlock. I'm just going to keep calling her Mama Sherlock because that sounds like it would work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Millie Bobby Brown is playing Enola Holmes. Henry Cavill is Sherlock. Um, Helena Bonham Carter is the mom. Um, this trailer looks absolutely fantastic. Like, I cannot wait for September 23rd when this releases on Netflix. I'm going to sit down and watch it that day. Huge thumbs up. Lydia. This looks so cute. I I like for once that they created another character for this kind of universe. And I love the way that it looks like they're going to play off put, putting her in there. And I, I'm with you. I want to watch this as soon as it hits Netflix. It just looks so fun. Thumbs up. Now, stupid question. Um, Enola, is a, it, she's an original character, right? Or is that believe? I say I think so. I, I don't. I believe so. I mean, okay. I know like Mycroft is part of the Sherlock Holmes universe for sure. Right. right. I don't. I feel like Enola is an original creation for this. No. Oh, okay. She's part of the. No, she's original creation. She's not. Oh, she is original creation. Yeah. Okay. She's she's not canon. Oh, okay. Um, I'm okay. Yeah, I don't. I'm still gonna go thumbs up because I really enjoyed this trailer, and I also, you know, speaking of actors, you know, being diverse in their characters, I really like that Millie Bobby Brown is doing something not like Stranger Things or not like Godzilla. But I don't know though. Like, I, like I said, still going thumbs up. But if she's an original character, I almost wish that she was an original character and not kind of just put into the Sherlock Holmes universe, but eh, I don't know. Still pretty cool. Tabitha. So she's not canon for the Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes, but there is a book series by Nancy Springer of the same name, Enola Holmes. Okay. So she's a creation of somebody else, just okay. not Arthur Conan Doyle. This is, this looks super cute. Like they've cast it super well. It, like Millie Bobby Brown deserves to be able to do whatever she wants. And she looks like she's going to do a fantastic job in this. Also, I love Helena Bonham Carter with everything I have. So this is getting a giant thumbs up for me. I can't wait to watch this. So from the sounds of it, it's kind of like Gregory Maguire with Wicked and mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz. It's kind of like that. So okay. that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, I, I retract my, why is she being added to? So it's cool. We're good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Also, sticking with uh, trailers with Matt, uh, we got a new, we got kind of a first look at that Lord of the Rings Gollum game. We did. um, It's really just a teaser. Um, Like, we knew that there was a Lord of the Rings game coming. We really didn't know exactly what it was. Um, But knowing that it is Gollum uh, lends itself, as everybody on the internet has kind of pointed out, to um, stealth and sneaking. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't yeah. ever do that again. Okay. <laughs> I mean, graphically, it looked cool. I question the uh, like how exciting this game can be as you know sneaking through the caverns as Gollum and eating tasty fish and asking what taters are. Um, so until I see more from this trailer, I'm going to go or this game, I'm going to go thumbs sideways. Lydia. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I understand that it's a teaser trailer, but there really was not enough there to really judge what this game is going to be about. And 
I am very curious to see how they go about like making a full on game just based around Gollum. So yeah, the graphics look beautiful, but until I see more about what they're going to do with this, I'm just going to go thumb sideways. Yeah. I also have to go thumb sideways. Um, Not enough information. Uh, The graphics did look precious though. Tabitha. Hey, you all. I'm kind of hoping maybe it's more like, the Gollum from the books versus the Gollum from the movie because like and more of like not a Gollum backstory because we kind of got a Gollum backstory in one of the movies but like more of just Gollum's everyday existence and I think that could get kind of boring but it also could be kind of fun to see like a completely different side of things because every time we think about Lord of the Rings we see most things from the perspective of just the hobbits so Maybe we're going to see more of the world, but through Gollum's eyes. And I think that sounds good. But I also don't want to, like, have, like, a POV of, like, eating a raw fish. That sounds awful. <laughs> but I'm going to go with them sideways. But what if it's, like, also kind of like a VR type situation where you can also smell the raw fish? I uh, don't know. <laughs> nope. No, thank you. <laughs> um, so speaking of kind of teaser trailers that we got we also as part of the uh dc fandom we got a very first look kind of concept look at uh black adam it was really it wasn't even any kind of film or anything it was more animated uh but kind of the rock giving just a kind of quick backstory on who black adam really is uh i'm excited for it it's been six years since it was announced that The Rock was going to play this character. I'm, I want to see it, but at the same time, it's like it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, are we ever going to see it? <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm going to give this a thumb sideways right now. I need to see more from this movie before I can really be excited about it. But I'm getting there, Tabitha. Uh, yeah, same. I need to see more than just a voiceover cartoon with The Rock to know if this is going to be any good or not. Thumb sideways, Matt. Surprise, I have a huge man crush on The Rock. Um, <laughs> I like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, like his Instagram is absolutely phenomenal. He is like a fantastic human being. I don't know. I am pretty much in for anything that he's going to do. Um, and I this already gives you a little bit more information about who Black Adam is. Um, so I'm going to go thumbs up because I'm going to be positive and book for my man crush. <laughs> Matt, Matt smells what The Rock is cooking. Uh, Lydia. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I like the information they were giving you about the character, but as much as I love The Rock and like, like I love Jane Johnson, he's kind of getting to the point where he's one of those people that I only see him as himself. So listening to the trailer and trying to like differentiate between him and the character was difficult for me so right now i'm gonna go with them sideways and maybe once we get more into it then it'll be okay but it just wasn't working for me uh we did actually get a an actual trailer on the batman i don't know guys i kind of liked it um i have a slight issue with robert pattinson's longish hair i don't think bruce wayne's hair would ever be that long uh but i uh, but for me for a first trailer if that's the biggest problem that i have with that trailer then i'm kind of okay with it uh 
I'm also kind of okay with the fact that, you know, like we didn't hear like that Batman growl when the only time that we heard our Pat as Batman, he says, you know, like I am vengeance or whatever. He's like, it's not like I am vengeance, you know? So like, <laughs> I'm cool with it. So I'm going to give this a thumbs up. Tabitha, I know for religious purposes, you did not watch this trailer. So we'll skip over to Matt. So my, I agree with the hair issue. Like I don't think Bruce Wayne would ever have long hair like that. Um, but my other big issue with this trailer is at the end, I can't tell whether I'm watching a trailer for Batman or uh, this is uh, Robert Smith and the Cure. <laughs> like, like the eyeshadow around the eyes. Like I just can't, like, I can't get behind that. That just, it doesn't seem right for Batman out of costume to have, like still have that look. Like tomorrow's I don't know. Friday, you're in love. <laughs> I'm not, but <laughs> wow. uh, um, I'm just gonna ignore that. The uh, the logo, I like the logo because it looks like it would be from a graphic novel. Um, I don't know that part. I like the rest of it. I'm still just, I'm still just iffy on. So thumbs sideways, Lydia. I'm not gonna lie. I liked this more than I expected to. Because from the moment we started talking about him being Batman, I was not on board. And then this actually looks kind of good, guys. And it's it's funny that you mentioned the eyeshadow thing because I actually liked that because you'd see him take the cowl off, so it would be right af- like right out of the costume, and you don't see that generally in movies like that where it's like, oh, you're in the costume and you have makeup around your eyes to black out your eyes from the rest of the mask and then oh now you're out of costume and you're completely makeup free like i liked that so but i don't know i'm gonna go thumb sideways because there's still some things that could be wrong with it but it looks better than i anticipated it to be uh also we got another trailer for wonder woman 84 uh i'm I've been ready for this movie. We got a better look at Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. Um, and when she was first cast, I was kind of like a little apprehensive. I was like, you know, I, I still was like, okay, I'm okay with it. But Kristen Wiig, Wiig really? But seeing that her kind of in action, I was like, okay, I, I get it now. I, I see I see where you were coming at there, Patty. Uh, but yeah, thumbs up. I need this right now. Tabitha. Um, I also need this right now. However, I've realized something about this trailer and it's bothering me and now I just need the movie to come out so my suspicions can be confirmed. I'm like 99.99% sure that Steve is in her head and he's Mm. not real. And because at the beginning of this trailer, they're like, we can make you see or make you feel or whatever you want. And I feel like something happens to Diana where she's like, the greatest thing she's ever wanted was Steve to be alive. And then we're going to have to relive Diana losing Steve again. And I'm going to be pissed. Because (laughs) (laughs) that was like, you guys know I don't like a love story in my action movies. I didn't mind their love story because it wasn't really a love story. It was just like, it just kind of happened. There was no like dramatic emotions about anything. But if I have to watch her lose him again, I'm going to be very, very upset. So I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I was going to give this whole thing a thumbs up until I think I figured that out. And now I'm a little mad about it. Man, 
pulling the whole Haley Joel Osment. Uh, Matt. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, uh, I, uh, my biggest question for this whole trailer, even though I do see what Tabitha is saying in regards to Steve, um, is the dynamic and like um, Barbara, Cheetah, mm-hmm. um, like I've read enough Wonder Woman comics to know how she gets her powers and the relationship like friend wise professionally that, um, that Diana and Barbara have. So that's my biggest question right now is how that's all going to play out. And I feel like it's probably going to be one of those things where they change the comic book origin, um, to kind of fit the movie. And I don't know how I feel about that. Not like I have like a ton of, experience reading wonder woman but enough that i feel like that change might bother like what i know um about the character but in general i still can't wait for this so everything else outweighs whatever i'm still going thumbs up lydia so as we talked about last week i am horrible about watching movies i still have not seen the first wonder woman movie so watching this trailer to me meant basically nothing nothing made sense to me so <laughs> i feel like there's some good things going with it but i feel like i wouldn't i would be a lot more excited about it if i had that prior information so just for that reason alone i'm gonna go with them sideways because i have no frame of reference for it fair definitely like i don't even think you need even necessarily need to see batman versus superman which was wonder woman's introduction to mm-hmm. the dceu but um, but yeah, definitely like take a couple hours, watch watch Wonder Woman, and then watch eighty four when it comes out. Because yeah, oh man, that first one, I I need to rewatch that movie. It was phenomenal. Yeah. But um, the last big trailer to come out of Fandom that wasn't the Snyder Cut um, wasn't even really a trailer. We got a first look at uh, the Suicide Squad. Uh, I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I didn't hate it. Um, and in fact, like we kind of got to look at some of the other characters. Um, I don't remember the character's name, but whatever John Cena is playing where it was like, Oh, Captain America, <laughs> he was an a-hole. Um, I was like, I'm okay with this. Um, and I'm glad that, um, they brought back Amanda Waller. Uh, I felt like she was phenomenal in the first one. James Gunn, I, I, I think that he might be able to save this franchise and might be able to make a better movie than what the first one was we'll have to see uh Tabitha. if anybody can fix it it's gonna be james gunn but i don't know like at what i don't like dc's movies and i'm <laughs> like we know this like i just don't i think they try too hard to make them dark and they fail every time um i want this to have that classic james gunn feel like with the humor and the like punchiness no pun intended. Um, but like, I'm worried because he's good. He's trying to do something different. That he's going to do something so different that it's almost not going to fit in with the rest of the DC movies, and it's going to stand out in maybe a good way, but also in maybe like a who like she doesn't even go here like kind of way. Like, I I don't know. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> almost made me spit the beer that I just got. <laughs> I just, I don't know. 
I don't, I just don't want any more DC movies, guys. Like, I just, I just need them to stop. Stop trying to make DC movies happen. <laughs> Matt. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoyed this, especially for what it was, because you got some of James Gunn's input um, about the creative process and, like, snippets from behind the scenes from the characters talking about the filming and everything. Um, I feel like this is the Suicide Squad movie that we wanted the first time around. And I feel like we're probably going to get it this time again with the, like the comedic aspects um, and the tongue in cheek action um, that James Gunn has just done so well before. Um, Also, this is one of my like movie caveats. There's a lot of practical effects going on in this trailer. Um, and I love that. Um, actually blowing things up, actually knocking things over. So little of that happens anymore in movies, and I'm excited to see how that all comes together. Um, I'm ugh, wary, but I still think I'm going to go thumbs up just because James Gunn. Lydia. So once again, I have not seen the first Suicide Squad movie that came out. I have heard from multiple people that it is god awful um but the first look at this looks interesting some of the casting choices confuse me but you know whatever john cena's your thing go for it um (laughs) i did like Uh, to be clear i to be clear i don't have a man crush on john cena like uh (laughs) has a man crush on the rock just i mean that is good to know (laughs) is is john cena can you see him (laughs) lydia bell Got it. But um, yeah, like Matt said, I like the practical effects going on. I liked that they made Harley's outfit look more like Harley rather than the outfit she has in the other movie. Um, so More like Harley, less like Harlot? Basically. Uh, I'm just going to go thumb sideways because I'm not really sure about it yet, but there's some good things going on. Last trailer we're going to talk about, uh, The Devil All the Time, which when I was giving you guys the trailers this afternoon, I realized I called it All the Devil All the Time. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I I think I like that name better, but you know, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Matt, let's start with you. Um, So this is kind of just going to read the the recap here just because it's easier. Um, Set in rural southern Ohio and West Virginia, The Devil all the time follows a cast of compelling and bizarre characters from the end of World War II to the 1960s. Um, it's got... The, the cast on this is, is kind of incredible. It's Robert Pattinson, Tom Holland, um, uh, Bill Skarsgård, um, what's her, Riley Keough, um, and, uh, all, and then Sebastian Stan to kind of round everything out. Um, this looks kind of dark like it it looks it looks like this is going to end up darker story-wise than the trailer kind of starts out um i don't know it again it's a netflix film um and as much as i'm not always not a huge fan of pattinson but uh like what tom holland does in this trailer is awesome so uh, i don't know i still gotta go thumb sideways lydia I wasn't sure what to make of this at first, but I was amused to see Spider-Man, Batman, and Winter Soldier all in one movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, it does. It definitely looks like it's going to be dark, like even darker than they show. Overall, it's probably going to be one of those things that I have to watch to fully know if I'm going to like it or not. So thumbs sideways because I'm not sure if it's my cup of tea or not. And I'm not also the some of the southern accents were a little off and that bugged me. <laughs> like be consistent, guys. Come on. <laughs> I agree with you, Lydia. I don't know that this is really my cup of tea either, but at the same time watching this trailer, and this is actually the second time that I watched it, um, it made me uneasy, it made me uncomfortable, but in good ways with both of those. So it's like I don't know, like I kinda they they they've definitely caught my attention. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. I'm going to give it a thumb sideways. Tabitha. I am going to give this a giant thumbs up because this checks all my boxes. <laughs> it is a period piece. It is set in the South. I agree with Lydia. Like if you're going to try to have an Appalachian accent, I'm going to need you to just have an Appalachian accent. And mm-hmm. if you can't pull it off, don't even try. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're a bunch of British dudes, maybe, maybe rethink that. Um, <laughs> this is what I want Robert Pattinson to play. These are the roles Robert Pattinson should be playing because Robert Pattinson, when he's being a dramatic actor and not in Twilight, is actually a really good actor. He's Mm -hmm. not a superhero actor. He is this character. He is an angry, dramatic Southern preacher. preacher. Like, he is. Like, like, I, I want this and I want this now. Like, I have a hard time looking at Tom Holland because in the back of my head, all I hear is Peter Parker. But... I want this so badly. Like this just looks fantastic. Like they look like they did a really great job with like the locations and just, this looks wonderful. This was probably my favorite trailer that we watched. So I don't know what's happening to me in my old age, but (laughs) here we are. (laughs) Deb, we're going to stick with you and talk about Harriet the Spy. We are getting an animated Harriet the Spy series on Apple TV plus based on Louise Fitzhugh's book of the same name. Um, it's going to be starring the voices of Beanie Feldstein, Jane Lentz, and Lacey Chabert, who has finally stopped trying to make Fetch happen. Um, is, that what, like is, actually your, mean- is that like your third Mean Girls reference? That's the third, <laughs> one. That's the third one. Speaking of them where I can get them. Um, the series is actually being written by the guy who co-created The Adventures of Pete and Pete, if you guys remember <gasps> that show from Nickelodeon. Um... Beanie will be starring as Harriet. Lynch will be playing Old Golly, her nanny. And uh, Lacey Chabert will be Marion Hawthorne, the super popular girl at Harriet's school. And I know since it's animated, it's going to be very different. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to hold a candle to that Michelle Trackenberg, uh, Rosie yeah. O'Donnell movie that had little Tabitha going around <clears throat> her neighborhood spying on folks. So <laughs> <laughs> I literally walked around my neighborhood with a composition notebook. Like there, it, it was a real thing. I believe uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very real thing. But, um, I'm going to give this a thumbs sideways. I'm just not sure how they're going to mm. take something like this and make it an animated series, but I'm willing to see what happens. Matt. Um, I'm going to go a speculative thumbs up uh, because I know that the book series has been around for a while and I kind of hope that something like this will ignite a, a rekindling, I guess, if you will, of the, of the book series. Um, and I remember the book series from when I was a kid. I didn't read a whole lot of them, but I read a couple um, and I really enjoyed them. So I'm going to hope that that works for this in that regard um, and they do it justice. Lydia. 
I like the idea behind this. I am, I, I like some of the voice actors they went with, but any more with animation, I'm just very skeptical about like the art style because animation nowadays kind of sucks. So <laughs> I'm scared about that. But I think they could do some good things with this. And like Matt said, maybe kind of rekindle um, some of the interest in the book series. So tentative thumbs up. Um, I was going to give this a thumb sideways just because I've, I'm not, I I know of Harriet the Spy, but I've never read any of the books, didn't watch the Nickelodeon movie, anything like that. Uh, But when you said that, uh, when you said that, one of the co-creators of Pete and Pete is involved with this. Like, okay, yeah, I'm on board. Definite thumbs up. Um, also, I kind of feel like, Tabitha, going back to what you're, all your uh, Mean Girl references, I feel like I need to hold on to this episode until October 3rd. But then everything's <laughs> going to be out of date, so we probably shouldn't do that. Probably not. <laughs> uh, going from one reboot to another, Matt, let's talk about Powerpuff Girls. I don't want to. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> I know I did. I brought it up and then I like I read the article, I brought it up and then I read the article again and like no. Um, <laughs> so Variety is reporting that the CW is developing a live action reboot of Powerpuff Girls. The they are now disillusioned 20 somethings who regret spending their youth fighting crime. Um, part of the creative production team is the infamous Diablo Cody. Um, this, this just gets a huge thumbs down for me. Like I know we talk about reboots and new properties and things like that, like all the time. Powerpuff Girls is one of those that even with the cartoon reboot, I'm okay with, but leave it, leave it there. Leave it in the cartoon world. This does not need to be anything close to live action. Um, just leave it be thumbs down. Lydia. Yeah, I agree. This is something that does not need to be anywhere near live action. We don't need to see the Powerpuff Girls later in life as grouchy 20-something people. Like, just leave it alone and move on. Yeah. I just uh, have a really disturbing visual of a live action Mojo Jojo. Oh, God, <laughs> no. That. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Huge thumbs down. No. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, this is getting a hard thumbs down from me. Uh, the original, the original cartoon has a very special place in my heart. I never got around to watching the re- uh, the reboot rebooted cartoon, but I was okay with that. Uh, I want nothing to do with a live action anything about this. Uh, so yeah, definite thumbs down, Tabitha. So mostly I'm just upset that no one asked me to play 20-something Buttercup because I feel like (laughs) the accuracy (laughs) would have been on point. Um, But I was going to go hard thumbs down until you told me that Diablo Cody was going to be involved. And I trust her to not let it suck. I've never seen her do anything that does suck. And even if it's this... Maybe it will be done in a way that will make it fun. And maybe it will be less like Powerpuff Girls and just like 
girls in their 20s who used to fight crime that just happened to look like Powerpuff Girls or be the colors of the Powerpuff Girls or something. I don't know. Uh, so I'm going to go thumbs sideways. Still salty about that casting, though. Call me up, Diablo Cody. I'm your girl. <laughs> but see, if they're going to do something like that, though, then they need to do something like that and have it just be... Different. Yeah. These are former superheroes, now disillusioned. You don't have to add that. So, uh, Aftershock Comics is having an upcoming series called The Kaiju Score. Uh, it's already been picked up by Sony Pictures, and it's going to be developed by Escape Artists and Aftershock. So, uh, the co-creator of this comic book describes it as a Quentin Tarantino film taking place in some corner of a Godzilla movie. Uh, basically, it follows four criminals who attempt a heist in the middle of a giant monster attack on the city. I want this comic. I want this movie. This sounds amazing. Thumbs up, Tabitha. Yeah, I agree with you. Thumbs up. I want this. Matt. I'm just already trying to picture who they're going to cast in the film version for these like four thieves. Because I think there's some pretty fantastic options out there, regardless of you know, their characters in the comic books. Um, yeah, I, I need this ASAP. Thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah, I immediately got, like, this amazing visual of, like, four guys, like, trying to steal something, like, while there's Godzilla and Mothra going at it in the background, and that just sounds amazing, and I love this. So, thumbs up. Uh, Tabitha, let's talk about Fear Street. So, we all know those Goosebumps movies suck, like, real bad. Um, but Netflix has picked up the first three Fear Street novels for adaptation. Uh, Netflix intends to release them next summer and will probably be pr promoting it as the Summer of Fear, which I kind of love. Um, the films star a bunch of people I've never heard of and all have the basic Fear Street plot lines. Uh, the first one is going to be 1994. There's a tragedy. There are teens. There are murders in the past. Are these teens next? Um, the next one is 1978, Sleepaway Camp, kids from opposite sides of the tracks who have to band together to defeat the killer. Uh, and then the third one is 1666, Witches, because 1666. And then you're going to flash forward to 1994 to End a Curse, because there were witches in 1666. So they're like your basic Fear Street plot lines. Like, I did not read Goosebumps because tiny elitist pinky up Tabitha thought she was too good for Goosebumps because she was. And well, by the time Goosebumps came around, I had already been reading Fear Street. Like, and I'm like, what do you mean these are scary? There's like monsters under your bed. Like, read some Fear Street. There's murderers in here. So I blame R.L. Stein for pretty much everything that's wrong with me. So I'm, I want this. Like, I want these Fear Street movies. Now. Thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. Uh, my hope with these is that they don't take themselves too seriously. Like, all of that Goosebumps and Fear Street stuff had a little bit of that campiness to it. Um, and if I they... Did you try again? <laughs> no, Siri. No, no you're not. <laughs> <helping>. um, <laughs> I think if they keep that, we could be in good shape with these. Um, so... Uh, it, I, I still am iffy because the Goosebumps movies are awful. So thumbs sideways. Lydia. Yeah, I agree. I think there there is some campiness to both of them, but the Goosebumps movies especially relied on the campiness. Like that was pretty much their entire thing. So if they can steer clear of that, I think that they'll be in good shape. 
and sounds like fun to me. So thumbs up. Uh, I'm going to give this a thumbs up for you guys. I never read Fear Street. I w- was never... It, uh, Goosebumps was my bag. I wasn't pretentious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but if you guys are excited for it, I'm excited for you. So thumbs up. Um, Matt, let's talk about a Lego Star Wars holiday special. So we all remember how much of a dumpster fire the original Star Wars holiday special was. No. Not all of us. Um, well, what? What? I said Wookie porn. <laughs> I know you did. I was trying to... <laughs> what? Uh, okay. Anyway. Um, so on December 17th, Disney Plus is releasing a Lego Star Wars holiday special. Um, it is kind of going to take the same vibe, not vibe, but same idea, I guess, um, as the original Christmas or holiday special with a life day focus. Um, it's going to bring all the characters back together. So it directly follows the events of star Wars rise of the Skywalker. Ray leaves her friends to prepare for life day as she sets off on a new adventure with BB eight to gain a deeper knowledge of the force at a mysterious Jedi temple. She is hurled into a cross timeline adventure through beloved moments in star Wars cinematic history, coming into contact with Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Yoda, Obi-Wan, and other iconic heroes and villains from all nine Skywalker saga films. But will she make it back in time for the Life Day Feast and learn the true meaning of a holiday spirit? I'm only going thumbs up because I love pretty much all of this Lego animated stuff. Um, So despite my experience with the Star Wars holiday special from 1970, uh, um... (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be hopeful. I'm gonna bring in new hope and uh, give it a thumbs up. <laughs> Lydia. So I may have finally seen the original Star Wars, but I haven't seen the special, and I don't think I want to. I I don't know, guys. I thumb sideways. Um, I loved the holiday special for as awful as it was so if they especially if they take what is unintentionally awful with the holiday special and make it intentionally awful with the lego holiday special i am all here (laughs) for it um i'm ready so yeah definite thumbs up tabitha i was gonna give this a thumb sideways until matt made that lame pun and now i'm gonna go thumbs down (laughs) (laughs) Make lame puns all the time. That one was especially lame, and it was very well-timed, so I know you had planned it. (laughs) (laughs) And that makes me sad that you wasted your time. Only while I was already talking. You're right. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. um, We are running short on time. Uh, There are two stories that I definitely want to talk about but do you guys we've got a a few stories still left for gut reaction do you guys want to keep going with gut reaction or go to our last two stories either what am i doing with my bitch all right so we're gonna keep going with gut reaction uh not a whole lot of information on this one but project x entertainment has uh gotten the rights to uh the nutty professor for a new reboot. Uh, There is no studio or staff attached, so no kind of, we don't have a writer or director or anything like that. Um, 
hard thumbs down. I don't know why this is necessary. Um, yeah, like, no, 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 no. Tabitha. Yeah, no, what you said. No, no, no. I also don't know why this is a thing. Just let, let it go. No. Thumbs down. Matt. Add this to the list of things that shouldn't happen that we covered this week. Thumbs down. Lydia. You're on mute, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> the cat jumped on the keyboard, guys. <laughs> I'm having problems. Uh, you were, and you were, like, involved in what you were saying. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> what I started to say, darn you, um, so on the list of things that we don't need, this is pretty high up. Thumbs down. Just stop with the, the remakes and the reboots and the... No. Uh, Tabitha, let's talk about Mexican Gothic. So Mexican Gothic was the Del Rey book by Sylvia Moreno that I was invited to read and review for a group book club thing at C2E2 this year. Um, We just found out that Hulu is going to be adapting the YA Gothic horror novel along with the production company that belongs to Mark Consuelos and Kelly Ripa. Um, This was actually the first book in a very long time that made me gag. Um... And the cover of this book gives off this, like, very romantic young adult vibe. And this book is anything but romantic. And young adult. Young, I mean, it's young adult, but, like, it, it shouldn't be. Um, it's gross and creepy and disconcerting and just, like, gives you the heebie-jeebies all over the place. When I first saw this, I got real scared. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to end up on whatever they're calling ABC Family these days, Freeform or whatever. And I'm like, they are not going to be able to do this any justice but it's going to hulu so i have high hopes for it um i'm i'm cautiously optimistic because the i mean i'm the entirety of this cast should be latino like the entirety of it Mm -hmm. so hopefully fingers crossed they do that the right way (laughs) and they don't accidentally whitewash a couple of the characters um but if they do the casting justice and they do the grotesque like of this book the right way this is gonna be fantastic so thumbs cautiously up matt uh so i also read this not for c2e2 but afterwards um and this is a creepy unsettling slow burn horror novel Mm -hmm. um and I am concerned on how that will translate to TV. Um, so until we get more information and maybe a trailer, I'm going to go thumbs sideways. Lydia. Just listening to you talk about the book sounds like really interesting and I want to go read that now. Um, but yeah, for not having much information, I'm just going to go thumb sideways until we hear more about what they're planning to do with it, because I don't want them to ruin it since you guys seem to have enjoyed it so much. Uh, I'm also going to go thumb sideways. Uh, They could either do this really well or really not well, Um, and I think it's just it's too early to tell one way or the other. So there seems to be a partnership a brewing between Marvel and Fortnite, uh, there are some Marvel characters that are going to be part of the, I guess they call it seasons of Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
also in the fourth issue of Thor. Uh, I'm not for sure if that's out yet or not, but Thor is going to be in one of the Fortnite islands. And so you're going to see some Fortnite characters in a Marvel comic book. Um, this feels like something out of the 90s, and it shouldn't be here. Thumbs down. Tabitha. Yeah, thumbs down. This doesn't sound like anything we want right now or have wanted in the last 15 years. Yeah. And and I, and I to clarify, I, I'm, I'm okay with having Marvel characters in Fortnite. That's not what bothers me. But it's weird for me to see Fortnite characters in a comic book, um, especially if it's a story that I'm actively following and this takes away from that story. Uh, Matt? That's exactly my issue. Um, if you want to put Marvel superhero skins in Fortnite and let people pay for it, go for it. Whatever. That's fine. But do not insert especially something like Fortnite, which at this point has not proven that it's going to have any kind of staying power, that it's just a flash-in-the-pan cultural phenomenon right now. Don't insert that into something iconic as a Marvel comic book, especially something like Thor. Thumbs down. Lydia. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't realize, because I've I'd heard about this, but I didn't realize that they were putting the Fortnite characters into the comic. I thought they were just putting the Marvel characters into Fortnite, which didn't bother me because they've already had Thanos in there once. So, okay, they were just playing off of that. I do not agree with putting the Fortnite characters into a Thor comic. That is not okay, and that is not something that should happen. Thumbs down. Uh, Tabitha, let's play a new Princess Bride game. Um, so on October 4th, not October 3rd, uh, Ravensburger <laughs> is releasing the Princess Bride Adventure book game. Um, the game is for ages 10 and up and can be played either solo or with up to four players. Um, the game uses both the plot of the movie and the fictional, fictional in-book story of the movie and the original text. Um, you work your way through six chapters while, like, trying to ignore your pesky grandson who keeps interrupting you and trying to not be, you know, rerouted by your villains. Um, this looks really fun. Like, I pulled up the images and checked it out and looked at it. Princess Bride is not one of my favorite movies, but it is one of my favorite books. And I think that this this looks more like it's in line with the book than it does the movie not that there's a lot of difference but there are some pretty pretty large differences uh the game will be 25 dollars at target not a bad price for a board game especially everything that it you know contains it has you know like your classic little figures of you know buttercup and wesley and everybody um i i if somebody else bought this i would probably play it i'm not gonna actively go out and buy it for myself to play it once and then forget i have it because that's what i do with board games uh but i'm gonna give it the thumbs up uh, it sounds like this could be really interesting um, as far as like porting it from book movie to board game. Um, I feel like it's something that could lend itself well to like board game aesthetics and like rules. Um, yeah, I don't know that this would be something that I would play a lot. And $25 is not um, an unreasonable price for a board game. Um, so we'll go thumbs up. Lydia. Yeah. 
Yeah, this sounds like it could be a lot of fun. And yeah, that price tag for a board game by itself is, is not bad. And especially a board game that's probably going to be in some way like trademarked. It's not a bad price. So I, yeah, thumbs up. It could be yeah. fun. Yeah, uh, definite thumbs up. It's not, it would definitely be a game that I would play. I don't know that I would, kind of what you were saying, Tabitha, I don't know that I'm going to go out to Target that same day, you know, that it comes out and buy it. Uh, the price point is fantastic. Uh, they could have, a spe- especially with the almost cult following that that movie has, they could have easily charged double. And yeah. fans of the book and movie would just say, as you wish, and pay it. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, but I mean, so kudos to them for not charging us an arm and a leg for a game. So um, last two stories for gut reaction, and these are wholesome on purpose because the last two stories that we have for the show are not as wholesome. Uh, (laughs) Matt, we're going to start with you. Uh, What's uh, Dungeons & Dragons doing? There is going to be a new free Dungeons & Dragons supplement uh, coming out called the combat wheelchair. Um, the tagline is, is quote, anyone can be an adventurer. It's created by Sarah Thompson. Um, and her little description of it is this, that this chair was never created to make a disabled character better than an able-bodied character. It was made to enable characters with disabilities to go adventuring the same as an able-bodied character. Um, there are miniatures that will be available. Basically, you it's it's an item essentially for D and D characters. It's a chair. Um, it's a wheelchair that's portable. It's powered by beacon stones, so it's magical instead of running on um, engines or anything like. So it actually fits in with the D and D world, um, and it like the the chair itself falls under the effects that like spell casters would be able to use on themselves. Um, there's a whole set of rules on how you can attack or ram or defend um, using said wheelchair. Um, the miniatures look fantastic. This is a great idea. I love when they can do things like this for inclusion and it's not done for this just for the sake of inclusion. Um, but it's like just to be awesome. Uh, I don't know. I think this sounds fantastic. Um, and if I were to D&D, this would definitely be something I would pick up. Uh, huge thumbs up for this. Lydia. Yeah, I love this. I love when they can include people of any walk of life and basically say, like, there's nothing you can't do. And it, I don't know. I, I have no words. I love this so much. Thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal idea. I really, I have nothing else to add to it. Giant thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah, giant thumbs up for this. Like, being more inclusionary is, like, one thing, but, like, they went above and beyond with this, and that's just so fantastic. It makes me so happy. Tabitha, let's talk about Reclaim Her Name. So, in celebration of the 25th anniversary for the Women's Prize for Fiction, Baileys, yes, the Irish Cream Baileys, um, has launched the Reclaim Her Name campaign. They are going to be releasing 25 works of fiction that were written and originally published by female authors writing under male pseudonyms with the female author's name on the cover. Uh, So like George Eliot will turn into whatever her name is who wrote Middlemarch. Um, That's bad. 
That's why they're doing this is because I can't remember her name, but I remember that it's George Eliot on the cover of Middlemarch, even though George Eliot was her pen name. Um, this is I, diverse. It's multi-genre. Like it's just this really expansive collection. Uh, the covers have the author's name front and center and then the name of the book actually in like smaller print at the bottom. Uh, the set can be purchased on Bailey's website and Bailey's has also made every single ebook available for free to download. Awesome. Um, and then additionally, they're donating physical box sets to libraries around the world. So like they went ham, like everything they could have possibly done with this. They did um, the books look beautiful. The like the covers are just absolutely stunning. Like I really like how they flipped it and switched it. Like I love when you pull a book off a shelf and you know, the author's name for, you know, the title, like that's always made me really happy because it might be the title, but like that person sat down to create this work of fiction and shouldn't their name have some, you know, be on the cover bothers me, wow. but they're, they're stunningly beautiful. I want them. Uh, they're also, I think donating a, well, like a certain percentage of the proceeds, uh, to a literacy program. I'm not sure which one. Um, this is just, this is absolutely, it's just the best thing. So giant thumbs up. Matt. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at the images of this online and the, the whole box set is just absolutely fantastic. It's just a rainbow of colors. And then on the spine at the bottom in white across all of them, as you put them all in one big line, it says reclaim her name. Um, and the covers are kind of Art Nouveau. Mm -hmm. um, they're clean, they're crisp, they're smart. Um, this is just phenomenal. Like, this is fantastic. Like, the fact that they're donating these, the fact that they did this, the fact that the ebooks are available, um, you know, for free. Uh, I, just absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Huge thumbs up. Also, it was Marianne Evans who wrote Middlemarch, so... <laughs> I was about Sorry. to tell you that. <laughs> Ooh, that was bothering me. I felt real bad. <laughs> Lydia. Yeah, this is amazing. I love the idea behind this and that they're going about making female authors known rather than the pen names that some of them are even forced to use because otherwise they wouldn't have sold their books. So yeah, this is just amazing. And like Matt said, the covers are wonderful and I love it. Thumbs up. Yeah. Um, just amazing all around. Um, like the, the main premise, you know, is phenomenal. And it's kind of like one of those things when you were describing it, Tabitha, where each thing that you s said more about, it was just like, this is even better. And for something like Bailey's to, to put this on, like, that's just, it's right. weird, but I love it. Um, yeah, definite thumbs up. And, I'm going to have to get some Baileys if I get this box set as well, you know? Just, <laughs> sip, just sip on some Baileys and coffee and read some fantastic literature. Okay, guys. So this first of our last two stories isn't awful, awful, but it's not great. Tabitha, let's have a uh, drone story. Man, we haven't had a drone story in a while. So this actually, <laughs> this actually happened a few weeks ago, but since we had our anniversary show and not a regular show, we kind of missed discussing it, and I didn't want to let this go unnoticed. Um, July 21st in Escamada, Michigan, which my computer kept trying to autocorrect to ES Space Canada, by the way, <laughs> um, a bald eagle 
took down a research drone being operated by the Michigan Department of the Environment. Uh, the $950 drone was doing drone stuff and mapping shoreline erosion, which is important. Let's try to save the earth, y'all. Um, and suddenly the operator, Hunter King, was viewing what he said looked like a really bad roller coaster ride. <laughs> um, they found the drone later in four feet of water, 150 feet offshore. Uh, <laughs> it had been straight up attacked by a bald eagle who either thought it was food or foe and uh, was not having it. There were some fishermen on a boat that saw it happen and it just came in hard and didn't didn't leave any victims behind. Um, so now they're going to be using skins for the drones, which honestly sounds more terrifying. So it's going to try to keep them from looking so much like foe or food. But it's like to say you're going to put a skin on a drone just gives me the heebies. So I don't know. I don't know if it's going to make it any better. I think we should just let the bald eagles attack the drones. Like I know that the drone was like trying to do something helpful, but who told the bald eagle that? Like, <laughs> bald eagle, uh, like, hey, you're in my neighborhood, dude. You gotta go. <laughs> right? Like, get up out my territory. Get out my house. Right? <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Four uh, feet of water, 150 feet offshore. Bald eagle was not messing around. <laughs> I, feel, I feel more patriotic hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's kind of the only time I've ever embraced that whole America thing. <laughs> sure. Very true. All right, guys. So we hadn't had a drone story in a while. We also haven't had a KFC story in a while. So everybody knows KFC's tagline, right? That their food is Mm -hmm. finger licking good. Uh, So um, the company put out a tongue-in-cheek press release called And the Winner of the Award for the Most Inappropriate Slogan for 2020 Goes to KFC. So, part of the news release says, quote, think we can all agree this year has been like no other, and right now, our slogan doesn't feel quite right. So, for that reason, we'll be pressing pause on using it in our advertising for a little while. They go on to say, in all seriousness, though, whilst we're taking a moment to have a little fun, rest assured, we're still going to be be providing finger-licking good chicken, and a responsible experience for our amazing team members and guests around the world. And for all those fans, don't worry. The slogan will be back just when the time is right. I don't like the way that sounds. That just sounds very inappropriate all around. And I also, like, I feel like that's the only thing good that's going to come out of this pandemic is that maybe at the end of it, we'll never have to hear finger-licking good ever again. Because... (laughs) Don't lick your fingers just at any point in time in your life ever. Like, Matt, get away. Get away. Like, I don't know. Like, what gets me in the press release where they're saying, hey, we're not going to use this slogan for a while, they still use the slogan. (laughs) I mean, it's KFC. What do you expect? And also, Mm -hmm. like, and and granted, I I guess I, I should realize what I'm about to say, you know, like, but like, are there really people in the world who are like gonna boycott KFC or something like that if they stop using finger licking good? Like, 
I mean, unfortunately, yeah. probably yeah. because people are like that and they will take the stupidest things they possibly can to be like, oh, I don't like you anymore, man. Exactly. But yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Licking fingers, lives matter or something like that. I mean, oh, that, no. that would become a thing. Like, <sighs> no. never, never say that again. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like regardless, this is the slogan that's going to keep a you know, take a lick in, but keep on ticking. Lydia Bell, I'm also leaving. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> I'd just like to point out, like, Matt, you've gotten two tonight. I don't think I got any. <laughs> yeah. I haven't stopped recording yet. <laughs> but Tabitha's gone, so I guess I'm in the clear. You got lucky tonight. Uh-uh. Oh, back. she's back. <laughs> <laughs> she saw oh. the opportunity. <laughs> but yeah, but like... I don't know. Like, I just, I feel it's just all really weird. Like, why, why make it a point to say, hey, we're changing, like, companies change their slogans all the time. Like, I just, I don't get why they- It's a marketing scheme. It is a marketing scheme. You're absolutely right. It's to get people talking, which is what we're doing right now. But still. And now all my Instagram ads are going to be for KFC (laughs) for like a week. Because that's what always happens. Yeah. Either that or for people offering to lick your fingers. Ugh. Ew. I haven't got one of those messages in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, huh. On that note. <laughs> that, on that incredibly creepy note, that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to keep up with what's happening throughout the week and be sure to let us know anything uh, cool things we're missing out on any questions comments or concerns uh, shoot us an email at the geek awakens podcast at gmail.com and from all of us at the geek awakens thanks for listening and we hope to see you next time everybody say bye bye, bye. bye.